Hey, folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, your co-host. So happy to have you here. Hey, before I go any further, I want to remind you, be sure to follow Ian and Typology on socials at Ian Morgan Crumb and at Typology Podcast. You can find us there. Today's guest, Dr. Jerome Wagner. He is a clinical psychologist, psychotherapist, supervisor, consultant in private practice, and emeritus faculty member in the Department of Psychology and Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University. And Jerry is one of the earliest students of the Enneagram in the United States. His dissertation was one of the first written descriptions of the Enneagram and pioneered formal research studies on the Enneagram. He's a wealth of knowledge. We're happy to have him on the show. Glad he's here. Long overdue. Glad you're here to hear him speak. And without any further ado, here is the host of our show, Ian Crump. Hey, Typology Tribe, we have an amazing, wow, an amazing, amazing guest today. I want you to welcome Enneagram 5 with a six-wing self-pres, I might add. Dr. Jerry Wagner, author of the books Nine Lenses on the World, the Enneagram Perspective, and the Enneagram Spectrum of Personality Styles, an introductory guide, and check this out, one of the earliest pioneering voices who brought the Enneagram into the modern conversation, the present-day conversation. Jerry, welcome to Typology. Thanks, Ian. Thank you for inviting me. We have to start with your introduction and your history with the Enneagram. That Mm. I'm dying for people to hear about it from you. Well, I was taught by Bob Oakes. Bob Oakes was a Jesuit, and Bob Oakes used to teach systematic theology, which if you could think about the most boring branch of theology, systematic theology, would be it. But he drifted and ended up uh, going out to Esalen and uh, got interested in uh, religious experience and took the very first course that Claudio Nerano taught. And I thought Helen Palmer was in that class, but I think she was in the next class. But Asandra Maitri and Hamid Ali were in that class. So Bob learned it from Claudio, who had just come back from South America, where he learned it from Oscar Ichazo. So it was in a course called Religious Experience. It was just a breath of fresh air. I was a Jesuit theologian at the time. Pat O'Leary, who actually wrote the very first Enneagram book, uh, was in that class with me. And so Bob had the Enneagram stretched out over two semesters, And we also learned, you know, yoga postures and all kinds of different spiritual practices. It was just a wonderful course. The advantage of having it spread out over two semesters was we had time to think about it. And we could, you know, we had time to uh, grill the different people in the class. Like, you know, hey, what is it like to be a four? What is this stuff all about? You know, and this fear and that fear. So it was really a wonderful way to learn the Enneagram. In the tradition, we were kind of not sworn to silence, but basically told to keep our mouths shut until we really understood this. We, of course, immediately went out and broadcasted it to everybody we could find. <laughs> so it was uh, it, it was just a great course. And I went on to do uh, my dissertation on the Enneagram. Miraculously, they let me do it at Loyola. 
And I actually found some statistic, statistically significant results. It was amazing. It went well with a couple of other systems, and I've gotten a lot of mileage out of the Enneagram since then. And hey, everybody, listen up. That was 1970. Am I right, Jerry? Yeah, sad but true. And yeah, thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I want yeah. people to understand is just the width and breadth and depth of your history with uh, mm. with the Enneagram, and that mm. uh, you were really at the very front end of yeah. what now has become, you know, a major uh, topic of conversation, both in the in the culture today. And uh, that's amazing. I'm sure in 1970, you had no idea what the Enneagram would later become over five decades. That's exactly right. There was nothing written on it. And now, you know, if you go to uh, Amazon, my God, you can spend half a day looking up all the books on the Enneagram and podcasts, YouTube videos. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what was it like when you discovered that, you were an Enneagram five. How did that land with you? <laughs> well, I immediately narrowed myself down to a five, a six, a nine, a seven, and a four. Wow. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So, and then Oak said, uh, you're a five. So that's how I, you know, settled on a five. The master told me. And I said, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're probably right. I had a six wing and a four wing, and five goes up to seven. I also had a little one in me, the perfectionist. There's not a, literally a link there, but it fits. Sometimes I wonder if I'm a nine, five and nine. I got a lot in common with nines. And, but talking to other fives and nines, I'm, I'm not the only one. The only way I can t- be pretty sure I'm not a nine is that nines like to merge and kind of lose themselves in the other person. And I don't know what that means. I I like boundaries. It's me. There's you. It's not us. It's not we. And so just then a lot of the other, you know, I'm not too keen about conflict. Neither are nines. But, you know, one of the questions I ask people, you know, at the end of the day, what makes it a good day? Or uh, where does your authority come from? And I, it just, uh, there's, I just say, you know, it's a good day because I learned something. Where's hmm. your authority come from? Comes from my knowledge. Threes would say, "Ah, good day. I got a lot done." Where's your authority hmm. come from? You know, I can do things well. The competence. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Hold on a second. We got to probe this for a second. Yeah, okay. I love that. Okay. Look out. I love this. All right. So you say to an Enneagram one, let's just yeah. run that really fast. What? Yeah. Let's just run that fast about authority and yeah. what makes for a good day. All right. Let's have that. You want to, okay, no, God, now I got to remember it. Nice going. Uh, so the ones would say it's their integrity. They just kind of in their gut know this is right. Where does your authority come from? It's, you know, not self-righteousness, but righteousness. I just know I'm right. Hmm. The twos would say it comes from my love. I, you know, you know that I love you. You know that, as the two would say, I know what's best for you. This is for your own good. But but it comes out of my love. The threes would say, Mm. it comes out of my confidence. I do things well. I've got a lot of competence and confidence. Fours, and you could add to this one, um, comes from the depth of my feeling. 
It comes from kind of an intuitive knowing, kind of being able to, I can go places, especially in the darkness, you know, where other people fear to tread. I can go there. Fives talk about knowing and research data. You know, I've, you know, I consult consumer reports. I know what to buy. Sixes, I originally got me started on this because I was talking with a person who identified as a six who was kind of having trouble influencing her husband. And um, I think, well, sixes, you know, kind of lack of faith in yourself. And so where did your authority come from? And she didn't know. I don't know where my authority comes from, which sounds about right for a six. But then a lot of sixes have said, you know, it comes from this inner spirit. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's from God in me. It still seems to be kind of coming from some other authority rather than their own. but And yet sixes kind of experience that as their own authority. It comes from, I, I really get nervous when politicians say, God told me to do this. That's not what these sixes are saying. It's more like it's kind of a, well, the, that inner spirit. Sevens, I th- it comes from their hope. It comes from finding joy and good in things. Another seven said it it comes from, I can see down the road. I can see a few steps ahead of you. And my authority comes from my ability to do that. I forgot, maybe it was a three who said, I can see around the corners. I can see uh, ways of solving this problem, even though it looks like it's unsolvable. But I can Mm. can figure out how to do this. Not surprisingly, I, when I first came up with this, I, I asked, can I, give, can I get some feedback from people who are these types? Because I was making stuff up. You'll be amazed that no eights responded at all. All the other types did, but eights, I never got a feedback from eights. And I, my sense is the eights are saying, listen, you idiot, if you don't know where our authority comes from, we're not going to bother trying to explain it to you. But mm. one and eight just said, you know, we just if there's we just take it. Authority, well, we just take it. But it comes from I think it just comes from that gut reaction. I mm. used that there's a somebody asked um, I'm pre-associating it here, which I tend to do. Somebody asked Louis Armstrong, Hey Louis, what do you mean by swing? And <laughs> Louis says, you know, man, if you don't know what swing is, I can't explain it to you. So it's like AIDS mm. are saying, you know, if you don't know where our authority comes from. You are hopeless. Nines would say their authority comes from the peace, calm in the eye of the storm. I think it comes from their ability to see the all sides of an issue, kind of mediate. Um, you know, they're up at the top of the Enneagram circle so they can look down on us, you know, and see all these different options. So it comes from their ability to be calm, but also, I think, inclusive. That kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of unitary view of things. Yes, so it's kind of fascinating. So, yeah, it's yeah. very fascinating, and I love those two questions. Uh, where does your authority come from? And the other one was, "What makes for a good day?" Is that? Yeah. What would you say yeah. about that? What you know? So if I say, "Okay, so Ian, what made is what made this a good day?" Besides, you know, talking to me and having your you know mind expanded, but what else made it a good day? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love these questions for, you know, you're always, I'm always trying to find questions that will help me and help other people's determine their type, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And coming in sideways, slant with good questions is 
the way to do it, right? I mean, if I come in through the front door, there are mm-hmm. critical filters who are immediately going to pose objections, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. when you when we do it, that's why again I love these two questions. And you, mm-hmm. for me, a great day would be uh, if I created something beautiful that helped others awaken to something in their inner worlds that persuaded them of their beauty and worth. Nice. You know, I mean, that's, and I get, that's pretty four. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that gives me such a sense of, mm-hmm. uh, or invited them into their depth too. So you'd have, you know, mm-hmm. the, the deeper part of them, shallow, superficial, yes. not good, deep, good. Yeah. Years ago, I, someone asked me to kind of come up with a quote unquote mission statement, which is a phrase I kind of hate. But the uh, but what it, what I came up with is that uh, that I was called to help people enter in deeper conversation with the mystery of God and their own lives. And I thought Man, that's pretty damn four. Yes, it is. Yeah, especially <laughs> that mis- that mystery part. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there it is. Now <laughs> you. Uh, as I mentioned pre your conversation, that you know you are a person with advanced degrees in psychology. You are a theologian. You uh, have taught in a Catholic university, uh, where which is, was kind of a ground zero location for Enneagram stuff at one time, right? Yeah, yeah. And was Robert Oakes a teacher there? No, Bob was. Uh, he just taught in the. Uh, it was the Jesuit School of Theology in Chicago. Okay. So he was at the theology. Then he went out to the one in Berkeley. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't think he was ever taught at a university. He it was more in the theology schools. Right. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. What I want yeah. to talk about right now mm-hmm. is what people call oftentimes in the Enneagram uh, Harnavian stances because yeah. they uh, arose from the work of Karen Horney, the psychoanalyst. Yeah. And um, you have written uh, extensively about this. And of course, I know it's complicated, so we can make it simple for folks to understand it and apply it. I think we'd have a great conversation. Okay. Yeah, I like uh, Karen Horney. She's a wonderful writer. And um, Claudio Nerano also liked her. Not personally, but he liked you know her ideas. Um, and she talks about the idealized self-image, and he uses that. The one, you know, I'm right. The two, I'm loving. So he took her idealized self-images and put it around the Enneagram circle. The three trends, I don't know if who came up with that first. But, you know, she talks about, well, the real self and false self, you know, becoming who you really are. But there's also this environment that you need, like a loving environment for this seed to grow. So you need warmth. You need um, love, you need care, attention, ooh, ooh and aahing over you, and then you grow into being who you are. If you don't have that, she calls that a basic evil. And basically, she's talking about her own family. You know, Jung said all theory is personal witnessing or testimony. So she, her father was a pretty crude guy and critical. And so the basic evil is if you feel like you're not loved or you've been abandoned or you've been overlooked or you've been abused or whatever, you become angry because that part of us that wants to be who we are gets angry. You're, you're stifling me, but you can't express that hostility because you need those parents. So the anxiety or the hostility gets diffused into anxiety. Now you're feeling anxious, 
And how do you deal with that anxiety? That's where she talks about these three trends. And they can be uh, healthy. We all need them. And they can be uh, exaggerated. Huh, sounds like the Enneagram. She said, okay, you can move towards people. You can move against them or situations. You can move away from them. So moving towards on the positive side, cooperation, love. On the negative side, it's being compliant, submissive, self-effacing. Kind of wipe yourself out. Hmm. Uh, you know, I'm no threat to you. You don't have to harm me. And moving against is uh, being assertive, setting boundaries, uh, power, mastery, uh, moving uh, exaggerated, and you got aggression, you got the bully, you got expansive solution. So if you want to survive, you can either shrink down and hide in the bushes, or you can get real big and scare the hell out of your opponent. You know, like a, a lion whose mane now gets really big, or mm -hmm. an elephant making a lot of noise. I think I'll leave you alone. Thank you. Uh, moving away from is on the positive side, it's stepping back, being objective. What's going on here? Tapping into your inner observer. Um, overdoing it is the detaching part. Uh, so it's kind of um, flight as opposed to fight. So I got to thinking, okay, we need all three. You can ask yourself, if I got a conflict, what would it look like if I moved towards the person? What if we get together and negotiate? Let's talk about this. Let's get close. Let's stay connected. Work this out. What would it happen if you moved against them? I have to sometimes do this with Comcast. I don't want you to raise your rates because it's not working anyway. So fix it. Now Comcast will listen to this podcast and <laughs> raise my rates. Thank you very much. Anyway, so you have to set boundaries and say, okay, that's enough. I don't want that. Uh, moving away, what would it look like if you step back a little bit? Let's everybody cool down. Let's think about this. Let's take a look at what's going on between us. Little transference and counter-transference. Uh, thank you, Freud. So then I'm thinking, well, how's this work with the Enneagram types? Well, it obviously the eights move against. Hello. Those would be the archetypes for moving against. My fellow fives would be moving away from. We're going to detach. When in doubt, hide out. Eights, when in doubt, lash out. The twos would be moving towards. Give them a hug, right? So mm, now we've got these three archetypes. It's very clear. Now what do you do with the rest of the Enneagram types? So I had this inspiration. I believe it was in the shower, and therefore I know it was correct. <laughs> I saw that you've got these connections, these lines, these mysterious lines that connect all the Enneagram types let me lay this out so that you, according to these lines, have access to every other type. So let's just try the uh, three, six, nine. Let's say the nine moves away from people. Three moves, they're pretty competitive. They're pretty aggressive. They move against. And the sixes move towards, especially if you're on their side. They've become very good hosts and hostesses. So now we got those three trends. And if you're six and you want to move against or move away from, go to the six or the nine. Okay. Now we've got, uh, let's say, the one. So the one is connected to the hip bone. The one is connected to the seven is connected to the four. So I say, okay, the one tends to move against because Karen Horn, I says the perfectionist moves against. And because anger is their vice, 
and um, resentment. That sounds kind of angry. So I'll say one moves against. They, they move against the world to fix it. Sevens move towards the world is a juicy place. Oh, it's my oyster. Oh, ooh, ooh. is that nice? Oh, this podcast is great. The Enneagram. Oh, everything is wonderful. So you kind of move towards something if you appraise it as being good for you. And the four, don't tell me I'm wrong, moves away from. So there's a certain aloofness, a distancing. Let me make sure that you, this group is going to get me, understand me, but I'm going to just lay back a little bit. So now one, four, seven towards, against, away from. You're saying, this is brilliant so far. Can you keep going? Yes. <laughs> so now we have the five, we move away from. Sevens, I just said, move towards. Okay, and now five is also connected to the eight, move against. So now you've got, you've got access to those three trends. You can move away from. If I want to move towards, I'd make a few jokes like sevens, socialize. If I want to be, you know, be a little feisty with comment, I stand up, take a couple of deep breaths, do some push-ups, move, be, pretend like I have an eight. So if you lay out the Karen Harnice three trends according to the, the, the lines on the Enneagram, you can give yourself access to all three trends. Okay. This is uh, – everybody, I hope you were following That's here because so this good. is super, super important. So let's say that, you know, you're a four on the Enneagram. Yes. And as a four – and I want to point out this whole stress and security point thing. I don't know if yes. you approve yeah. of that language, but I think it's helpful for our folks who know it to make a yeah. connection. Uh, yeah. Make a connection to it, right? Yeah. So if you are a, let's say a four and you are a withdrawing type, right? Correct. You move away. Yeah. Right? And sometimes we call that the withdrawing stance, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. another way of putting it? Yeah. All right. And then uh, when you are doing pretty great, you go to the high side of one, let's say, right? Mm, and yeah. in the one, you would be in the more what we would call the compliant stance or the moving towards stance. Is that correct? Well, now you're talking about a different take on it. So this is the Enneagram Institute. Oh, is it? Yeah. So okay. let me give you Don't how know. they got it lined up. So we're going to confuse people a little bit more. Oh, no, let's stick to yours, man. So the three numbers that move toward in your schema are yeah. what? Are the seven the two and the six. Okay. And then moving away would be four, five, and nine. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And moving and then, against eight, three, and one. Eight, three, and one. Okay. Now you've got it reversed. You reversed you or the Enneagram Institute reversed right. the seven and the one. Okay. So they got seven moving against and one moving towards. All right. So for everybody to hear this, because I'm going to zero in on application here, uh, we have three stances. Can I put it like this, Jerry, that, that the stances are a way that we move through the world how do I say, in order to get our needs met, right? It's a way of uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, to get what we want, maybe? Yes, yes. And they can also be a defensive strategy, sort of to survive. Works both ways. It protects us and it gets us what we need. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because one is fight, right? That's yeah. the assertive stance. Flight yeah. would be the withdrawing stance. Right. And freeze would be the compliance stance. Correct. Maybe. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, what, as for me as a four in the withdrawing stance, yeah. 
why is it important for me to know I'm in that stance? And how do I use this knowledge in a conscious way to achieve more integration and balance in my life? Okay. I would say uh, the more trends you have available to you or the more options, the more behavioral strategies, whatever, the better. So if you only got one option, you're kind of stuck. If you have mm-hmm. two, you have a dilemma. If you have three, then you got a choice. So mm-hmm. if you if you can generate options, be a good seven, um, you might come up with the most optimal solution. The other thing is a lot of times what we do, our defensive strategy is not working. It brings about the very thing we're trying to avoid. So if you, as a four or any other type, want to be connected, want to be in a relationship, is withdrawing the best way to do that? Mm, Maybe Mm. not. Maybe it would be better to move towards, maybe find another way to connect. So it gives you uh, an awareness, okay, this is what I usually do, but you know what? Uh, I also have a left hand and I got two legs and I can do other things besides just pick my nose with my right hand. I've got other strengths available to me besides that kind of habitual automatic moving away from. AIDS would automatically be feisty. You know, when in doubt, punch them. Twos would automatically give you a hug, whether they want to slug you or not, but they give you a hug because that's the kind of the natural thing for you to do. It's like it becomes a habit. If you you think about or don't think about, let's say somebody throws a ball at you, you don't want to stand there thinking, uh, do I want to block this with my left hand or with my right hand? You just automatically do it. So just like in, in a interpersonal or any kind of situation, we kind of automatically respond in a certain way, fight, flight, freeze. But we got two other trends available to us. So this gives us a little chance to have our prefrontal cortex kick in and say, all right, I don't have to just do it this one way. I got two other ways to do it too. So it gives you more options. So I'm a four. I definitely am in the withdrawing stance. That has been my experience of life. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a self-pres four, which is yeah. the, you know, is a yeah. sort of a different creature in that in subtypes. Yeah. But I definitely uh, I don't like conflict at all. And part of that also has to do with childhood trauma, which always confuses yeah. the landscape a little bit. And not only do I not like conflict, but when I'm suffering, I tend to go inside yeah. and withdraw and mm-hmm. try to find resources inside to cope, uh, which, you know, is mm-hmm. maybe more of a self-pres thing than a social force yeah. thing, but there it is. And, you know, I know I'm married to a nine. So here you got two withdrawing types in the house. And so we have to burn a lot of calories, <laughs> a lot of calories to yeah. move toward or against each other. Yes. It's hard for us. Yeah. Really hard. And it does take yeah. a lot of conscious effort. It's like, yeah. okay, this is mm-hmm. not my natural pattern, but mm-hmm. I must move toward or against or both in this situation because we are both withdrawing to opposite sides of the house where we're, one of us is ruminating yes. and the other one of us is yes. grieving. I mean, it's, you yes. know, <laughs> it's just kind of the That's way right. it goes. And I, but now yeah. you're also talking about 
right? Bringing these, because to me, it seems the Enneagram is so much about balance and integration, right? Yes, it's right. How do we bring our centers of intelligence into a balanced mm-hmm. and integrated place? Yes. These right. three brains, how can we think out of mm-hmm. all three and access That's it? Right. Yeah. And what I hear you saying is we do the same with these Harnevian stances, moving against, yeah. toward, and with. Yeah. Right? That's right. Wow. How has that worked in your life? Well, I have to, like you, if I'm withdrawing, I got to work myself up to becoming, pretending like I'm an eight. To move against, mm-hmm. that's really difficult. Right. Uh, I'm not too keen about conflict. Uh, moving, uh, that's hard. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thought to further complicate life. Five is connected to the eight, connect is c- eight's connected to the two. I'm thinking, uh, th- you know, I, I don't know that I can move from being an owl to a lion, you know, in just one fell swoop. Right. That's really kind of very aggressive and assertive. But if I hook the eight to the two, I'll go one a little bit further. I think I can tell someone what they don't want to hear in a way maybe that they want to hear it, you know, as a therapist. Mm. So right. maybe I can gentle that a little bit and at the same time be firm and say, let's take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Or I'll be nice to the Comcast representative. It's really good talking to you today, and I appreciate everything. And you know, and, and but my TV isn't working. Oh, okay, so it's kind of go a little bit further. So you who have trouble with anger, I was a four. I'm making this up as we go along here. There's no charge for this. You go to the one, but you say, "Oh hell!" If that's kind of a an angry place or resentment, or in my way of looking at it, go a little bit further. Now the one is connected to the seven. So is there a way that you can be assertive, but in kind of a cheery, hopeful, pleasant way? Mm. You're not going to be satire, which would be a little bit of humor and anger, or maybe it would work with your spouse, I don't know. But so you're going to go to the one, but then go over to the seven and see if that makes it a little bit easier. I don't know. Now, folks, listen up. I know, you know, Jerry and I and Anthony, we're having this conversation and you're probably feeling a little dizzy right now because That's we right. are flying around the lines inside the Enneagram. But here's one big lesson for today. And that is, do you see, even beyond what you realized before, how dynamic mm-hmm. the system of the Enneagram, that it honors the fluidity of our personality style and and even just to have a a curious conversation with yourself about the way the lines work as Jerry is sort of laying them out here is mm-hmm. itself this act of self curiosity mm-hmm. uh, a portal way to growth right and Jerry we have this thing called the Typology Institute membership and we have a sort of a secret podcast we share with those people who are uh, are a part of it mm-hmm. and you know we're going to be talking about uh, stances in the in uh, the weeks to come because mm-hmm. I like you I just think it's so important for us to continue to drill down to understand our habitual and predictable ways of moving through the world and I know that when I'm stuck in withdrawal that, you know, not good things happen, you know? And I would imagine that for, you know, an eight or a seven, you know, when we sort of get stuck in this place where 
we can seems to me with like with sevens and and eights and you would include ones in that group right is that what you said you mean the moving against yes a three i got the three the one and the eight okay so three ones and eights you know sometimes these folks have a way of sort of bending reality using their will you know what i mean like there's this kind of they're able to will reality to become something or other people to do mm-hmm. and become things for them mm-hmm. in a way that uh, other types just can't do yeah you know uh in the same way yeah to realize okay there i have options here right and what self-awareness is the ability to monitor and regulate in the moment what's happening in your inner world so that you can move through the outer world with more intelligence mm-hmm. and goodness. Is that, does that sound right? Yeah. Wow. And freedom. And freedom. Mm-hmm. And freedom. That's right. That's right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and freedom. I remember someone, I guess I was in seminary and someone was talking about all spirituality is all positive, good spirituality is about freedom. And anytime you mm-hmm. see something that is about the oppression or mm. the taking away of freedom, that is, uh, we're heading into the territory of evil. Yeah, I've often, I've said, you know, like God calls us or invites us to freedom. Mm. He invites us to be free. I like that. Yes, mm-hmm. I love that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I've loved this conversation mm-hmm. around stances, uh, these Hornavian stances and Karen Horney's work. Anthony, mm-hmm. did you enjoy yourself today? I uh, had my mind open just like uh, Jerry promised. Right? <laughs> I told- I'm enlightened. That's right. We had a big, we had a big mm-hmm. conversation today. I have three pages of notes. Nice. Yeah. Hey, uh, Typology Tribe, please remember these words. May you have love, may you have joy, may you have peace, may you have healing, and may you have rest. Until next time. <laughs>